hey, we didn't forget about this. I just kept putting yeah. it off. Because he couldn't yeah. find something to watch, apparently. Because I couldn't find something to watch, or I couldn't bother. But it is now episode two of Let Me Tell You About, slash So Let Me Tell You About, post-WrestleMania edition. We have Rob with us, who hasn't been watching weekly wrestling with us, but whatever. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I don't have the network subscription. No. He doesn't have the network subscription. But I do. I, I did and not I'm pay. I did not pay Michael Cole nine ninety nine in the back alley. Well, it's gonna switch to Peacock soon. Then you can yeah. pay five ninety nine and watch The Office. Yeah, you can pay Michael Cole five ninety nine <laughs> in the well, back appar- alley. Apparently, there's some problems with the way the the Peacock platform works. So, so hopefully, they work that out first. This is a semi-occasional series for when I think we need a break between weekly wrestling reviews. Where yeah. pretty much we all have to watch something and spring it on each other and talk about it, like, and none of us know what it is. <laughs> the only thing we exactly. have is what determines our turn order, which is the earliest year. Which is mine. We, we didn't discuss the years. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, well, actually, I, that's... I have 2013. 2011. 1999. Oh. Or 1990, excuse me. Oh, okay. Because originally, and I would have still, I still would have won, except fucking Hulu took Rollerball off and put it on HBO Max. Now you can't watch Rebecca Remain Stamos. Now I can't watch Rebecca Remain Stamos. Now I don't get Paul Heyman being the MVP. Rollerball. It's Rollerball. So many, so many memes. So obviously, don't tell us what it is first. Let us, let us. Yes, let you guess. Give us Uh, us some hints. Yeah, give us, give us one or two context hints. Uh, yeah. I will tell you this. One, it was a WCW show, and two, it wasn't a pay-per-view. It was not a pay-per-view? It was not a pay-per-view. Was it a special event of some kind? Yes. Hmm. 1990. Is it War Games? Wait, no, that would be a pay-per-view. No, it was not War Games. Let's see. Nitro debuted in 95. So it's not the first episode of Nitro. No, no, no. We're going to we're uh, going to be eventually covering the first year of WCW Nitro. Um I'm going to say someone's debut on WCW. So could it be technically correct but is it the pay-per-view? Oh, is it it is it the uh, is it the first ever episode of WCW programming after Jim Crockett? Honestly, I'm gonna say no because that it is not even like it. I feel like they had programming before this. Okay, okay. I guess my final guess would be: is it the is it when Sting debuted? No. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, come on, man. Alright, is I think it is time. Jonathan Frakes, tell us what the answer is. It's false. No way. Well, damn. Who created it? Not this time. No, not this time. Uh, totally made up. Pure fiction. 
Uh, <laughs> so okay, okay, Jonathan, we get it. Jonathan, Jonathan, you can stop talking now. It's never happened. Wait, wait. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's an urban legend. It never happened. No way. We got you. We got. Oh, you got me, huh? So, let me tell you about Clash of the Champions 12. Clash oh. of the Champions 12? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that isn't a pay-per-view. Because it was aired as, opposite. It was aired on TV, yes. Free opposite a WWE pay-per-view, right? No, actually. You're thinking of uh, Bughouse Stampede. And I think Clash of the Champions, like the first one, was, I think, aired against WrestleMania 4. Okay. This is the 12th Clash of the Champions. Uh, which is, um, it was aired on TBS. This is actually important because it was voted the 1990 worst major wrestling show of the year oh, by the Wrestling I Observer known. I was going to say, um, wasn't there not a lot of wrestling in 1990? <laughs> mm, well, there the wasn't as much. This was a lean period, yeah. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was just going to say the territories were kind of still around ish. <laughs> okay. They weren't they weren't fully dead yet. So, I'll explain why this is important in just a few seconds, but we start off with an intro package or like we get we get an intro that is basically I can only describe this as video packages over matte paintings of mountains. Here's some matte paintings we bought from the grocery store. This is also, <laughs> like, apparently Fall Brawl Mountain Madness, as JR explains. Oh, yeah, JR, but with, like, really, really slick hair. Really slick hair, very soft-spoken, Jim Ross. Joined okay. by Bob, Bob Cottle, uh, as they list off the two major matches for tonight's card. Ric Flair versus Lex Luger for the United States Championship. Okay. And Sting in his first world title defense against <laughs> the Black Scorpion. Oh fuck! Yeah, I this... I don't know. <laughs> I... Oh, you don't know about the Black Scorpion? No, I don't. <laughs> so after Sting won his world title, Jim Hurd, yes, it was this era of WCW, said, "We don't want Ric Flair to be wrestling Sting for the title." So instead. They came up with the mystery angle of the Black Scorpion, of this mysterious individual under like, a mask, under a mask, haunting Sting. Can I just say, it's very. I had a very difficult time spelling Scorpion for like most of my childhood. <laughs> it's a. It is a tricky word to spell. Now, Ali, here's the important thing: they give us a number to call to talk to Sting. Oh no. <laughs> from like it's one nine hundred nine oh nine 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 zero zero. Um, I don't know if I should call a nine hundred number. <laughs> no, don't call a nine hundred number. In twenty twenty one, they're gonna. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I heard about the Psychic Readers Network. <laughs> I... <laughs> We're not talking about Gary Spivey tonight. <laughs> yeah, but 900 charges you money. In... Do, I, do I do it? <laughs> no. 900 numbers cost money. 
I noticed that like they say that this is a that they say at the start that it is two and a half hours, and I look at my network and it says like one hour fifty three minutes. And I was like, why is this shorter? Commercial like, time. Commercial time. I fucking forgot that this wasn't a this wasn't a pay per view. If you had to pick with a gun to your head, this or Rollerball. <laughs> Surely um, rollerball is better. Um, it's rollerball. Actually this, actually, this wasn't as bad as I thought. I mean, it's got a Ric Flair match on it, so like, it can't be I that bad. But I Black mean, Scorpion. I wouldn't say, looking at this card, that this was the worst pay-per-view of night or the worst major show of 1990. I feel like there's got to be worse out there. I'm not going to look for it, but... There's probably some off. dog shit, like like state fair wrestling that you could find <laughs> if you what? if you really looked for it jumping jeff farmer <laughs> wasn't super clash free in 1990 or am i losing my mind here old wcw is like something i don't know anything about <laughs> yeah ding dongs well we start off with actually a familiar name the fabulous Freebirds, michael hayes and jimmy garvin michael okay hayes, off against Southern boys, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. Michael yes. Pussy Stomper Hayes. That's what this it means, is... right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yes. Walk it dry. <laughs> the, the thing I thought that oh. off with. Go ahead. I was just oh. reacting. I think he was oh. just <laughs> recoiling in <laughs> disgust, which is a normal <laughs> reaction around me. Uh, right. <laughs> So we start off actually with a music video. Well, I, it turns out it's just their entrance video. I didn't. This is a weird thing with this. Bad this Street show. USA. Bad Street USA. Correct. Bad Street USA. Bad Street Atlanta GA. Uh, so the match was supposed to be a six man with their uh, with their second like their seconds outside the ring. Buddy Roberts and Bob Armstrong in the match. But, These are uh, some eighties ass names. But Roberts hurt his arm, so. They well, had to, you, like, you might know the Armstrong family. Yeah. You should know the Armstrong family. You should know Senator Arachnid Armstrong. Um, <laughs> exactly. Senator Stephen Armstrong. He's in this match. <laughs> well, the youngest member of the Armstrong family in terms of wrestling history is Road Dog. Yeah, but who cares about him? It's all about Arachnid Man. He doesn't believe vaccines are real, unless that's someone else I'm thinking of. <laughs> That could be I, that, I think that's Valvinus, but you could be right. Hello, <laughs> ladies. Guess who's not vaccinated? <laughs> wow, we are. I don't believe in. I don't believe in needles unless they're going into my dick to pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the Titan Instead of like screwing in screws or buttering a hot dog, don't butter your hot dog. <laughs> You're putting a hot dog into a bun. <laughs> no. Don't. Putting a, it's just people getting vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jim Ross refers to this match as Australian rules, which is, but it's just a, like a regular tag match. Upside down, whoopsie, it's, fucky, boomerang rules. <laughs> is there is like Bill? Some, is Bill Dundee in this match? No. Ah, shrimp on the Barbie or some <laughs> shit. By God. And besides, wait, those they're kiwis. Shit, don't do not do a, not call a Aussie a kiwi. No, a kiwi and Aussie. I was about uh, to make a bushwhackers joke, but I just remembered. Oh, I know they're kiwis. Right. Uh, start off immediately with I want to call it the ten punches, but he stops at eight. So 
I feel like we need to start referring to like the mounted punches in the corner as the mountain count. The mountain count? The mountain count, because it never, it doesn't always go to 10 punches. You know, the mounted punches like one, two, three, four. It's until the crowd stops getting it over. <laughs> yeah. I think Seamus would do like 12. 12. Yeah, of his like. 12. Yeah, he'd do the 12 beats of the Bodron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is, we are still somehow in a time where, like, just doing a drop kick gets you crazy pops. Because that's the <laughs> most high flying Holy crap. Um, this match is good. This is just good, solid tag work. Uh, Tracy Smothers is being the, uh, the Ricky Morton of this match. Does he, does he have a chance to tell every, everyone that if he loses, everyone dies? You all die. No. <laughs> uh, JR, always with the college football... Uh, says Buddy Roberts isn't a Newt Rockney, which I had to look up. Ah, uh, yes, a Newt, Newt Rockney was a, uh, a Newt was a Rockney. Newt Rockney. He was a college. He was a he was a college football coach for University of Notre Dame. He helped popularize the forward pass, I guess, because that was when he was a player. And he pretty much is the reason that anyone knows about the Fighting Irish these days. Oh. Also, also wait, there wait, was a the movie forward, about the him. forward pass. <laughs> he popularized the forward pass in football. So you're saying football just would have been dog shit if he wasn't playing it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look I, at this! Look at this motherfucker! He's throwing the ball forward. What the fuck? <laughs> you see this? You see this shit? <laughs> he didn't invent it, but he 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 pretty much made like. The forward pass a thing. What the fuck? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> I've been running <laughs> it this whole time. Rules? I have so much brain damage. <laughs> I don't know if it was against the rules. I, I think it, just, it wasn't a common thing. No, I'm a, I'm asking as oh uh, as a commentator. Dude, yes. Uh, I can't walk in a straight line. <laughs> oh no! Like, yeah, like, I got too. Most... I got busy because fucking. Kurt Heisman was beating me with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Rube Waddell. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> you saw All what right. he you saw what he did against he, you saw what he did against that one team. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I fucking three hundred versus like zero points. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. All right, but yeah, this match I remember a lot of the spots like just. Uh, Smothers doing like a nice kind of, I call it a springboard drop kick. It was more like he drop kicked from the outside and then climbed back in on the drop kick. It was weird. Uh, I, can't, I can't visualize that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely, I, I'm but probably did he, saying did he drop kick through the ropes? Uh, he kind of drop kicked over the rope and then like his feet landed past the rope. So, okay. Yeah, kind of like that. And then he climbed back in. Uh, Hayes, like, fucking spikes Smothers' head. Like, he fucking drives his head on a bulldog. There's a... Like, Smothers does, like, a... Later on, he does, like, a sunset flip attempt. And, like, Hayes reverses it by just punching him in the face. Fuck you. <laughs> it, it, it eventually turns into, an, a, like, a clusterfuck. Everyone's getting in. Uh, at one point, like, the ref's distracted while Hayes has, like, a pin on... I want to say Brad and or it might have been smaller still. And just Bob Armstrong comes in and wails at him with brass knuckles. It is a curious period of time where 
Michael Hayes is one of the free words that's often in the ring. Yeah. There's more a so, reason. More so than Garvin. There's I was going to say, like, 1990 to 92 is like the overtime of the 80s. <laughs> it's much much like every part of pop culture. It's the overtime of the 80s until, until never mind. It, is this the period of time? It, I'm guessing this is the run since Garvin's in the Freebirds that the fuck with me story comes from. Probably. <laughs> fuck with me. Uh, at one point, JR says that, like, because the brass knuckles get thrown into the ring, and he says, that Buddy Roberts threw an international object into the ring. Ah, uh, yes, that, that old... International... Oh, okay, yeah, Oh, they weren't allowed to say foreign object on TBS. Well, they weren't allowed to say foreign on TBS, so it had to be replaced with international. No, they, though... they, they, did, they did international to be smartasses, because... <laughs> The, Fuck you, it's a foreign object. They threw well, in an uh, oriental object. Oh my god. Because <laughs> well, I think it was like it was supposed to just be for the news broadcast. Like you can't say like like foreign entities that had to be like Local international facility. Yeah, it was sort of like you couldn't say foreign invaders, I guess. International invaders, I don't know. But uh we get like a double sunset flip pin finish where like both Smothers and Armstrong uh, like kind of sunset flip a free bird. Then they have like a post match, like they win the match, and then there's a post match beat down double DDT to Brad Armstrong. Ali, does that count as doing it right? Because Brad didn't get up, or Bob didn't get up from that ever, or <laughs> <laughs> Bob Armstrong fucking died. Does well, he did eventually. Does it count as doing the DDT the right if you do a double DDT and you knock them the fuck out? I don't know, because think, I, think I think Jake Roberts would probably tell you, like, why do you need help? Yeah. <laughs> why do you need uh, assistance? You could just do it yourself and if of you course, fucking did Southern it right. Boys, the Southern boys win the match, but they got beaten down, so play their music anyway. That day. <laughs> okay, so good news, Allie. We don't have to call the 900 number. Apparently, the call is only from like 8.05 to 8.30 of the night of the show. Oh, yeah, I should mention. You got Sting for 25, and otherwise, go fuck yourself. All right. Okay, I should have known. This show was broadcast September 5th, 1990, from the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, We cut to an interview with the Steiner Brothers. Rick's got a backwards pink baseball cap on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, during like during the interview section, like Scott actually stumbles on his words a little bit. It's like we're gonna ho- well hold the tag team titles, and I was like, "Is it just a thing that we never knew was that Scott Steiner might have a stutter?" Because I was, it, it reminded me of everybody knows wants to know. Like, has he always stumbled in his promos? I don't think he's a good. I don't think he's a good mic worker. I know he's got energy. I feel like he has trouble getting his words together, and that's yeah. why his promos are, like, memeable. Yep. And if you're wondering why I picked the intro song for tonight, it's because... Did we just lose someone? Who did we lose? Me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm gone. I picked, the, I picked the intro song because the Steiners are taking on the team of Maximum Overdrive. I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I had to go call Sting while I still had time. <laughs> Sting, you there? <laughs> I'm in AEW, don't call me. 
Yeah, fucking. How did you get this number? How'd you, how'd you know? <laughs> what I love about the fact this interview is that Rick Steiner admits he doesn't know who the team of Maximum Overdrive are. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> who the fuck are these guys? Who is Maximum Overdrive? Uh, guess what? One of the it's like Tim Hunt who doesn't have a Wikipedia page, and like Jeff Warner who is like I guess the dude who like I'm gonna just say he was a journeyman. Oh. I was gonna Did say, just, so it's a it's a real who's that of it's a real team. Team. Did, I, of wrestling. Did I hear about this on like the worst uh worst tag teams list? It might have been. Like they might have been in the top ten worst tag teams on some website. I, I wanna st- I wanna see if I could find an episode where we could watch where I can find Techno Team two thousand. Oh my god. I, I I wanna see that in action. Uh <laughs> Next matchup is uh, Nature Boy Buddy Landell. Yes, he's actually allowed to be called the Nature Boy. Slayer's still in the company, but he can still go by that name. Just the cameras start zooming into the crowd, and just there's a fucking pensive Flair just staring daggers into the back of this guy's neck. And uh, well, Buddy Buddy had the name first, so he can't say shit. I thought it was Buddy Rogers who had. The oh, name. it is. You are correct. This is, this is Buddy Landell. So this is like a we have Rick Flair at home. Yeah. Fighting uh, Microtunda. Microtunda. Microtunda, who has not yet become a tax auditor. Yes. Yes. Uh, Ray Wyatt's Ro- dad. Ro- a Rotunda. Shrimp the shrimp boat. boat. <laughs> Rotunda is uh, accompanied to the ring, escorted, basically. She doesn't stay at the, like, she doesn't stay at ringside. By uh, Cindy Anderson, the winner of the WCW Burger Burger King Ringmaster Contest. That was a thing? It was a contest where people wrote WCW poetry. We need to find examples. Steve Austin's (laughs) gimmick from the the early mid-90s? I don't know. All right, what was it called? The Burger King Ringmaster Contest. Burger was it King like... Ringmaster Contest. The weird thing is, I when I was looking it up, I found another thing where it was like burger a Burger King sandwich with like onion rings in it. Yeah, that sounds Burger King's onion rings are awesome. They got good onion rings. Uh yeah, if only and... they could put more flavor in the burger. The commentary notes how Buddy Landell has a skid row tattoo. Skid row. Yes, the like, band. Like... Like the row no, or like the band? band? Apparently, he's friends with Dave Sabo. <laughs> Buddy okay, Landell. And he says they're the greatest rock and roll band of all time. It's like, <laughs> Skid Row forever. Skid Row. <laughs> May as well put a Mr. Big tattoo while you're at it. Hey, don't you badmouth Mr. Big. <laughs> ah, it's true. We there, Rico. Just talk about all the weird, obscure fucking. Remember, enough's enough. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say enough's enough. <laughs> fucking guilty year, Mark. <laughs> all right. Uh, there's a spot where like, like Rotunda gets Landell in a headlock, and he keep like Landell keeps trying to roll him up, and then just Rotunda just rolls it back into the headlock. Cool. At one point, Landell flashes his ass cheek at Rotunda as a taunt. Here's my ass cheeks. <laughs> he pulls up his ass. What is with Rassel Boys and just so many asses? 
every episode, I feel like we talk about ass. <laughs> yeah, but like Rikishi wasn't even around lately. Not, I think he might have been, but I'll talk about that later. Because they talk about how they have a top 10 rating system for WCW, like their singles and tag. <laughs> Wins and losses matter. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we get like a nice little pin where like Buddy Landell like kind of lays on him and then like puts one leg on top of his other leg. So it's like, ah, he's very cocky about it. <laughs> just the paint me like one of your French girls pin. Barry. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Uh, Landau does not. He gets him an abdominal stretch. He gets him an abdominal stretch. He doesn't give him pink bellies, but he does put an arm on the ropes for leverage. As long as the oh ref doesn't God. notice, I guess. <laughs> the commentary. There's a lot of shilling on this show, and one of the things they shill is that September 23rd in the Omni is Sting Watch Night. One thousand kids with a paid adult with them get a free like the first one thousand kids with a paid adult. Get a free Sting wristwatch. Oh! <laughs> I assume... I assume that if you don't have a paid adult, Sting just kicks your ass. <laughs> I, I thought it was just like... A, at the Omni, just Sting sitting in a round on a chair. And just and you have, just, watch him. And you just watch him for like an hour. <laughs> the, match, the match ends on a backslide. But what I liked in the finish was like... Landell is struggling not to have his shoulders touch the mat during the backslide. And I swear, that's not something you see a lot in modern wrestling. You don't see a struggle to not get pinned. That well, is true. They're too busy they were, trading pins. Our kicking out of every finisher. Yeah. yeah. It was nice to have just like this sort of like that struggle. You don't get that with the fast paced like style these days. Well, the pin rules were very specific. I remember an episode of. Um, and this may be a potential, so let me tell you about it at a later point, but the fucking WWE kids show where, like, Daniel Bryan tried to curl into a perfect spear so you couldn't, pin, oh, him, yes. so you couldn't pin him. <laughs> yes. I remember that. What was that show, like, Saturday Night Slam? Yeah. Saturday Morning Saturday Slam. Morning Slam. Yeah. We need to do that as a wrestle voice season. Yes. Wait, there's... I, I think it got, I think it got canceled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It did. So there's only one season worth of it. I think there's only one episode. <laughs> no, no, there, there's more than one episode. Dear God, we gotta find that. Okay, was that where was that where Daniel Bryan was obsessed with bears? Was that main event? He was kind of on main he event was... and like the JBL and Cole show. Yeah, that's an it's an ongoing storyline. Yeah, we get another interview. Uh, I forget who the interview was from. Oh, wait, yeah, it was the Freebirds. But I was noting, noting first that Tony Schiavone in 1990 kind of looks like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Very like, handsome? I don't... Like, yeah, he had sort of like just this sculpted kind of handsome face, almost like a Ken doll, and just like very similar Robert Pattinson, like, spiked up hair. And I started thinking, can we get Robert Pattinson in a WCW biopic as Tony Schiavone? <laughs> I'm Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd I'd watch him try to do a Tony Giovanni voice. So uh, Ian Bye. McKellen as Terry Funk. I'm coming for oh. you, you little cunt. Forever. Forever. I don't know. I don't can't do anything Ian McKellen. Uh, we get an interview with the Freebirds. It is weirdly refreshing to just 
the the Freebirds start verbally abusing Shivani, and at first I was gonna be like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "But wait, no, they're heels." Sir Michael Caine as Ric Flair. Even back the then, apparently. To be the man, you gotta beat the man, Master Wayne. Open up my mouth and put beans in there. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'd open Ric Flair and beans start pouring out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I killed Alex. I'm full of oh, beans. Oh, this ride. Longest line. Gets ready to hop aboard Space Mountain, Master Wayne. <laughs> Master Wayne. <laughs> yeah, so it was like the Freebirds are like like insulting Shivani when I was about to be upset because I've dealt with this so much with Coachman, but I was like, wait, they're heels. That makes sense. It's not like it's not, not like, like the, the weekly harassment of Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> yeah, <No>. exactly. <laughs> fair, the, I think The Rock harassed everyone backstage. No, yeah. everyone harassed Jonathan Coachman except for Rob Van Dam. <laughs> except for Rob Van Dam. He was cool. He was cool. Uh, but like, for, everyone else is forcing Coachman to pray, <laughs> do other weird shit. <laughs> Bunny, Bunny Robert Charleston. Do it now. Threatening to fist him. Oh, oh no, he's gonna fist Jericho and then rub it on on Coachman. That's right. Anyway, during the interview, Buddy Roberts gets his chance to talk, and he talks about how Robert E. Lee is looking down on the Freebirds and telling them to get the Southern boys out of here, and that and the I Civil was, War was a mistake. <laughs> and I was just thinking, oh my god, if this had been about like the current World Tag <laughs> Champions. This would be a disaster of a promo. The current world tag team champions are, of course, Doom, aka Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Huh. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, if that gone wrong. We cut to a video of the Freebirds like driving around Hollywood, and I thought this was gonna be painful. I was gonna say that's a lot of Freebirds for someone who just had a fucking match. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like it was like a prepackaged thing of them going around Hollywood, signing autographs for groupies, or I guess they're rats. I don't know. Well, they keep talking about their music career, so they might be groupies. And uh, and they go to a place called Pink's Hot Dogs, which is I guess a, like a California. It's like near Hollywood, uncooked yeah. hot dogs. <laughs> but I was like, Pink's man, hot dogs is like a famous LA, uh, the famous LA hot dog place. Yeah, I hate now hot dogs. <laughs> Man, I want a hot dog. So I was like, so it was mostly just like just, the only good hot dog wiener is like a bratwurst. I wouldn't. I don't want anything. I don't want like a hot dog on it. No. But I was uh, but I was I was like pleasantly surprised. That was a relatively painless like video package. I don't know why it was on this show, but fuck it. I kind of. I guess it's because I kept thinking it was a pay per view when it wasn't. But I guess because it's structured like a pay per view, there aren't many like segments. I think this was back in the time where it actually it was kind of difficult to get a pay-per-view. Especially, yeah. like, they were trying to figure out cable and, like, pay-per-view and, shit. And also Vince McMahon was being a bitch. And Vince McMahon was being a bitch, so they just kind of would do, like, free pay-per-view quality shows. And, like, yeah. um, AEW does that now, where, like, they have event shows, but only four pay-per-views. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Um, uh, we are told to call WCW merchandise for a gift catalog. We don't get the number for it. You gotta find so. it yourself, you piece of shit. <laughs> and now we have. You mentioned that there was a. You asked about a debut. 
there is a debut on this show. Ooh. It's it's the next match is we have Tim Horner. Oh God. And Brad Armstrong versus the Master Blasters. Oh no. You know oh, so this is the debut, the pay-per-view debut. I don't know that much about the Master Blasters. You know one of the Master Blasters. Do I? You know who Steel is. Check. No, but, <laughs> but it is a diesel. Oh, no. Check? No, it's... the other diesel. Uh, so, it's check so or nothing. This, this is Big Sexy before he was sexy. This is Kevin Nash with an orange mohawk. <laughs> and some other asshole called Iron. This isn't Al Green, his, late, his most known Master Blaster partner. This is a dude whose only match is this match. This is his only oh, match? <laughs> this is the only match of Master Blaster Iron. Or I swear to God, I looked up him I looked it up on like Profile DB. What is Steel's better name. than Iron? <laughs> yeah, and that's why and that's why Iron only had the one match. Corey Pen Pendarvis. And this guy sucks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a green as shit Kevin Nash and an even greener so it's like asshole. diesel and lawnmower engine yeah. <laughs> like... so we've got also I want to note Brad Armstrong is called the candy man the candy I man the... does he make the if world I... taste good <laughs> if I say his name five times in a mirror does he show up and chop me <laughs> Ah, I knew I'd get robbed with that one. What was the horror movie with the bees? Candy that's Man. Candy Man. Oh, okay. That's why I said if I say his name five times in a mirror. Yeah, but that's how you summon him. Bees. 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 All right. Nash, Nash's uh, orange mohawk means he can't do the hair flip, so he's down to four moves. Oh, no. <laughs> so, like, big boot, that kind hey, of... Guys back body splash thing where they like lift them over their head mm -hmm. uh snake eyes snake eyes power bomb <laughs> yeah basically uh the way i didn't describe iron to you he looks like the if the warlord looked worked as a chimney sweep so this is 20 <laughs> this is 22 years before his current run in wwf does he have any spring to his step <laughs> wait uh he has he has skinny legs also 22 years <laughs> 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> okay. Okay. You mean his, his, his last WB run where he was like a major player. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he not when he, not when he feuded he does... with CM Punk for some fucking reason. Oh yeah. So, um, he does still have skinny legs, but he can at least move. He is a lot more mobile than he was in 2002. I can, <laughs> I just that. remember when he was doing that fucking entrance the other week and like, had to very gingerly walk down a five degree incline. <laughs> uh, most of this is generic, like just kind of punches and power moves. I not even power moves. I remember more shoulder tackles than any power moves. Just a lot of throws. Uh, oh my god! I really wish I could stop burping, but uh, Iron kept fucking up a diving headbutt. Like he whiffed on this twice. <laughs> The first time I didn't even know what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> he was so bad. Uh, JR says their game plan, because of their experience, has to be simplistic, and it is. <laughs> really, JR, just tell the whole audience how. Look at these two. Look at these two dipshits. 
<laughs> uh, neither Blaster Master I noticed had their like their tights go all the way up or go up like properly. So are, I could are, are you saying that Nash was cheeked out? I could see Nash's underwear. Oh, okay. Uh, Brad Armstrong had Candyman on his ass. So <laughs> the horror movie, Tony Todd. <laughs> like I said, if I if I say Brad Armstrong's name five times in a mirror, will he show up and chop me? All right, we've got to get best. The... We've spent 40 minutes. Okay. Uh, they went after a double shutter block, uh, Master Blasters, and Bob Cottle says, we're going to hear a lot from the Master Blasters for years to come. <laughs> You're, you were half right on that, Bob. And Diesel. <laughs> we cut to Tony Schiavone interviewing what I called Swole Pillman because his fucking arms were weirdly huge. I injected like, oil. Like, Pillman was fucking jacked, man. Like, this was pre-wrestling like wrestling lager Pillman, where it just looked like he was inflated. But can I just say, babyface Brian Pillman is just fucking awkward to listen to? Or his, uh... Before, like this, before this, Loose Cannon. This was pre-Hollywood Hollywood Blondes, Brian. Yeah, Blondes. this is pre-Hollywood Blondes, that's right. So he's just very like, yo, I'm excited for this gauntlet. Which is, they're doing like, it's sort of like a gauntlet match, but it's over the period of like free shows where you wrestle one person each show. So it's like a, a G1. Sort of, but it's just basically, no, it's just basically like you run the gauntlet. And if you win, you get $15,000. And if you lose, it's split between all three opponents. Okay. Ooh. Cash it, prizes. It was, yeah, I know. Cash prizes, which is so rare in wrestling these days. There's, a, they, uh, like I, there's another plug for something in the commercials. Whenever I say like there's a plug for something, it's usually back to the pains of mountains. They bring up like wrestling wrap up, and I have to send like twenty five dollars to like Georgia for it, or send, something. Send some Georgia money over. Uh, we get a quick Missy Hyatt interview with Ric Flair about Lex Luger. Fairly standard heel promo stuff. We then get a match I genuinely thought was going to be bad: the Nazi Boys versus Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. Oh God, the Nazi Boys. The Nasty Boys. Oh, Nasty Boys. Okay, Dags and Knobs. Yeah, Bertie Benz and Saggy Sucks. Saggy Knobs. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nothing for that one? Okay. Mega Fighter really likes the uh, the Switch version of Wrestling Empire. Maybe they're not uh. called that. In the They're like graffiti and splatter now, but I prefer Johnny Sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, just go buy that. <laughs> yeah, actually, send him Di- Dim Dickie your money. He might be a fra- <laughs> hack fraud, but he can make a wrestling game. <laughs> <laughs> Give him Dickie your money. He might make more wrestling games on Switch. He might make another game where you get to fight people as Jesus. Or Muhammad. Uh, oh my god, if you put the U Testament on Switch. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think you fight people as Jesus. You're just a disciple of Jesus. Oh, you yes, you do. People. Yeah, it's the wrestling <laughs> engine. <laughs> oh, no, you fight people, but you're not Jesus. Oh, yes, you are. No, no you're, you're a follower you're, of Jesus. Actually, you're, no, you're, you, you're, you're alongside Jesus, if I recall. Anyways, you're, you're some you have mystical powers. Yep. Let's Nasty Boys versus Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. Surprisingly, no rooster chance. And this was just after. Oh, this is like post Red, Red Rooster. Rooster. Yeah, 
We had the rest rooster at WrestleMania five. <laughs> well, Terry Taylor is at least a good wrestler, so hopefully yeah. he can help this match. Oh yeah, this is actually like it's really nicely paced. The Fulton and Taylor actually kind of dominate the match weirdly because they're faces, and that's why it's weird. But it's like it's really fun. It's really well paced. Like the underdog heels, are, <laughs> the nasty boys are keeping up pretty well. They're also they also look pretty good right now. Like they're not they're still fat, but they're wearing their weight well. They look like they, they're stocky. Stocky. they're stocky. Stocky, yeah, they're stocky. The stockies are made. Go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just the stocky's like a hot air. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, I can't. Jr. says I can't tell if Missy Hyatt was trying to get into that dress or get out of it. I don't know what women are. <laughs> <laughs> he also plugs the Great American Fans Jam on October 5th, a call-in event where you can talk to, like, wrestlers and the commentary table and my fucking w- my WWE Network closed captions said said something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was supposed to be like, you are you get to talk to play-by-play and color men of the NWA. Colored men? Colored men of the AWA of the NWA, excuse me. There's like, there's a lot to unpack with that sentence. Who do we got? <laughs> Ron Simmons. Easy. Wait, is he in the NWA? I what feel you like want to tell idiot. me? <laughs> you want? I feel like an idiot for asking that question. Was Easy was Easy in the NWA? I don't know. Ric Flair Wait. is technically red after a match, so um, does he count? No. <laughs> yes, I was right. Easy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know he was in a National Wrestling Alliance. You know what I mean. Say it, pussy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't want Snoop Dogg to kick my ass. Or you want you don't want another no not that one to play over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a good nicely paced match. I if I recall, the Nasty Boys win this off like a big elbow or something. Stinky. But, yeah. The match was actually pretty good. I was surpri- I was pleasantly surprised. I thought this was going to be another Rougeos versus Bushwhackers situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Tony interviewing Sid Vicious, another basic promo. Sid does yell at the crowd to shut up, though, so that was fun. Shut up. We get Then we get Bill Irwin versus Tommy Rich. This match was very short. I only have like two notes on it. One is that this match is mullet. <laughs> yes. There could be like 90% of these matches. It was the mullet is going out of style, but we're holding on for dear life. <laughs> That's yes. around this time. It, I mean, it is the South. So, and Tommy, Rich, it's mostly just brawling around the ring. And, and then Tommy Rich wins with like a vertical, uh, like a vertical loop as press. But I put, he wins the match with a flying tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> and sack. And now we got the uh, top ten rankings for WCW, which uh, in the that's uh, like fuck it. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. We're going long. But basically, uh, Lex Luger is number one for the singles because he's the U.S. champion, and the U.S. tag team champions, the Steiner brothers, are the top ten for the tags. We got a. Uh, we got an interview with Stan Hansen because he's upset. He's upset that he's number six 
on the uh, top 10 rankings for WCW. Number six. He is covered. His body is like covered in tobacco spit, which is really gross. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't I didn't remember that part about Stan Hansen, but God, it's gross. And he ends the interview by with Shivani by shouting, Six! 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 <laughs> so he's Satan. Summoning the devil. Okay. I am the devil. <laughs> he is the devil. And I am here to Larian. I'm here to do my the devil's work. We're here, I'm here to do the devil's work. Lariats. <laughs> we get uh we get our first title match. For the Ladies Professional Wrestling Association World Title, okay. I don't know why I don't know why this is happening, but I guess women. Hey, why not? Uh, it is Susan Sexton, the champion, versus Bambi. Not a are not these, a great name. <laughs> are these people from May Youngs? Or uh, not May? I don't want to. I don't want to think that Mula, they are. No, Mula. Mula. Well, no, well, Susan Sexton's from, like, New Zealand. Okay. Oh, so she's an Aussie? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking... <laughs> God. Uh... This... Okay, this is the... Cra- really? She was born in 1967? Okay. No, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's Dakota Kai's grandma. No, Bambi is not. Bambi. Not. She was from... Oh, she worked for David McLean. Of course you did. All the fucking women's wrestling promotions for a long time were David McLean. Anyways, anything of note in this match? Uh, match starts and ends with a handshake, which is nice. Like Very ROH. Very ROH. Uh, Jim Ross and Bob Cottle begin, like, planning out, a, a like, a fucking... They plan on trying to get free Sting wrist, wristwatches. I want to watch Sting. <laughs> <laughs> want to sing, watch. Oh, you want to watch Sting? <laughs> uh, it's my standards were weirdly low because it's like the matches yeah. weren't super exciting, but they were like it was just solid wrestling the whole way through. So I was like, I like this match. Yeah, this is good. It was short, but okay. it's good. Uh, Glad. I'm I'm sorry. I just want to get back to the wristwatches because it's like maybe we can like find some kids to bring along because we can't pass for 14 and under. The rules you had to be like 14 and under to get the Fuck. watch. I can't get a sting watch. You can't you're not a kid at all. You cannot possibly pass. You have the you have the aged look of a millennial. No, I'm 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 imagining Jim Ross with a with one of those spinner hats on. He's got a propeller beanie. And he's holding like a teddy bear. Hey, I have a watch. <laughs> he's holding a lunchbox and he's got the fucking overalls and the stripy shirt. Like a little colorful bow tie. And, <laughs> and he's got a swirly lollipop and Sting's just looking at him. <laughs> I'm a Jim. child. <laughs> Jim, you're not fooling me. I got it. Sauce it. After this match, which uh, Sexton reverses an inside cradle to win. And keep her title. Uh, we okay. now get to the next match: the Steiner Brothers versus Maximum Overdrive. Oh fuck! The members are called Hunter and Silencer. Hunter like... and Silencer. Well, to Scott... be fair, you if if, if it, they're green bad wrestlers, 
the match can't be but so bad against the Steiners because they'll just fucking ragdoll them. <laughs> Pretty much did. <laughs> Suplexes. Uh, actually, very low suplex count. Only one. Damn. But we did get a DDT from the top for the finish. Sweet. Uh, there was like Scott starting off with like this weird like it was like a Boston crab, but he twisted the leg, so it was like a Boston crab scorpion lock thing. Like he twisted the opponent's legs while also wrenching it back. It was very weird. Um, uh, that's, like, point... that's similar to a move called like the lasso from El Paso. Not uh. even that. It's not even that. It's like he's got his legs like Scott's got his legs spread out. And then under his legs are the opponent's legs, but they're also kind of twisted around each other. It's it's very weird. Uh, Silencer at one point does like a Brock Lesnar apron jump. <laughs> and most of the match, Rick Steiner is pretending he's a dog. Of course. Our farf. The match is non-title, but Gary Michael Capetta still says that the Steiners are still the United States Tag Team Champions. A human-faced dog gremlin. <laughs> Despite the fact that there is no way the that maximum overdrive we're getting a title shot, uh, we get a quick plug for NWA main event on Sunday from Missy Hyatt. Then we get uh, Stan Hansen versus Tom Zank. <laughs> He's Hansen's built from like Borger, Texas, like B O Borger or B O R. Yeah, exactly. It's like B O R G E R. But I just said, Borger, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> uh, we get a brief picture-in-picture picture during this uh, massacre to Lex Luger cutting, like, a generic face promo. Lex Luger. Because, basically, this is just a massacre. Tom Zank is fucked. He gets the smallest amount of offense in towards the end, and then Hanson just takes his head off. Was he still Hilarious. covered in tobacco? <laughs> Uh, not that I can recall. No, he was not covered in tobacco. Tony Giovanni, we cut to Tony Giovanni who says that uh, Lex Luger is not the hunter this time. He is the hunted. And yeah, no, he isn't the hunter because that guy's in maximum overdrive. <laughs> we get a replay of uh, Flair Luger at Wrestle War 90 to set up for the next match. Luger gets another interview and I swear to God, this guy has no energy as a baby face. There are just some people who just cannot babyface at all. He just yeah. his, like, his heart wasn't in it? <clears throat> not at all. He is a better heel. Sorry. Uh, we get our co-main event, our, our second-to-last match, the NWA United States title match. Ric Flair versus Lex Luger. Luger's the current champion. The reason Flair is going for the U.S. title is it basically makes you the number one contender for the world title, which oh, so I like. They got option C. <laughs> yeah. They got essentially option C. I this love is that, the though. NWA U.S. title, which is that we're still with the NWA at this point. I don't know. I love that shit. Uh, I took a few notes, but I think I mostly just ended up <laughs> like just watching the match because it was really good. Yeah, it's, I mean, 90s. It's 90s Flair. Yeah. And Lex Luger before he really started going bad. Uh, at one point during it, like he sets up for a chop on Luger and he goes, Turner, heard, this is for you. And it's like, I kind of like, ah, Jim Hurt stuff. <laughs> yeah, he, he notoriously hated Jim Hurt. 
uh, there's a point where like he goes for like a thumb to Luger's eye, and it looks more like a really weak slap. Mm. This match is really good though. I I can't overstate this. Like Luger's mostly doing power stuffs. He he did like four military press slams to Flair throughout the whole match. They counted. Like the announcers were counting it. They did. Uh, Flair was like attacking the knee to set up for the figure four. There's a great spot where he like chop, like he got Luger in the corner. He'd chop him and then he'd like attack the knee. Chop me. Chop me. It was kind of nice. Uh, a little past 15 minutes and then Stan Hansen comes out and attacks Luger for the DQ. Oh. Oh. Which I was, I would have been super disappointed, but it's Stan Hansen. <laughs> so, and I, I'm a bit of a, Stan, a Hansen mark. So he just beats the shit out of Luger. He's, he does spit tobacco on Luger, which must have been a, I would have not been happy to have taken that spot. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, is this before the, or after Brody in a cage with him? Um, This is probably well after. I think at this point Brody was dead. Oh yeah, Brody's Brody's dead at this point. It's yeah. 1990. Okay, so this is post Luger getting in a cage with Brody. Yeah. Does he really want? To I mean, get I don't want to piss at, off at the, at the guy who is just as tough as Brody. I don't want to ever piss off Stan Hansen. <laughs> and he I can't see wanna... that well, so he's just gonna flick. Just tell yeah, me where your hand is. <laughs> just tell. Uh, it, it will not be a quick death. Yes. We uh, get a little video from the Black Scorpion that has a minor delay on it. Good work, production team. Nice. We get a Sting interview before the main event where he talks about how he's taking the Black Scorpion thing seriously. He is the only one doing it. <laughs> There's a point isn't, where... Isn't like, the Black Scorpion voiced by Ole Anderson? Yes, Ole... Ole Anderson with a voice filter, the voice filter that would later be used for the Shockmaster. Nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, isn't he... So would the delay be possibly like... No, it was like the, the video it. was supposed to... No, the video was supposed to come up. It was like pre-recorded. Oh, okay. But there was just a point where we were just watching uh, or it was like where I was just looking at Tony Schiavone awkwardly stand there while oh. it was cut to. Great. Uh, but yeah, we got our world heavyweight title match, Sting versus the Black Scorpion. This is your main event. And just okay. coming after a do way we, better match before. Do we know? So Allie doesn't know this, but they never had a plan, really, of who was under the Black Scorpion. Oh, oh they did. Match. I'll get to that. But they, it they, changed so many times. It changed so many times. And I know what they're, I know what they're hinting at here. So my There's question a, is... Who is this Black Scorpion? Um, I looked it up. The wrestler playing this Black Scorpion is Al Perez. Okay. Uh, the match starts in, like, I forget Jim Ross's exact wording on on what, on what like, Black Scorpion was doing, so I just put in my fake quote of, he's just standing there, menacingly. <laughs> <laughs> this match is mostly just, like, a bunch of brawling and just very simple, like, body slams the whole time. Like, like I don't know if Al Perez is a bad worker, but he has, like... He and Sting have nothing to work with for this Black Scorpion gimmick. 
And they, Singh was still kind of inexperienced at this point. He, he was still kind of green. He needed a better guy to work off of. Like you a, mean like like Flair? Or, or, or Hanson. I would have booked Sting versus Stan Hansen. That could have worked. Stan Hansen would have beat the fuck out of him, though. Yeah. Uh, and they start recalling, like, a video package where he said, like, remember 1986. Or, like, the time is 1986. The place is California. And it's like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I see what they're fucking doing. This was when they were super hinting at the fact that the Black Scorpion was the ultimate warrior. Oh. <laughs> and um, I forgot to mention, the stipulation for this match is that if Scorpion loses, which he does, he'll unmask himself to the world and show who he really is. And then Sting like, has to unmask him because he won't unmask immediately. And when he takes off the mask, there's another mask underneath. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. And it was a red mask, so this isn't the black scorpion. It's the red scorpion. I could tell because oh. there was a little scorpion on his boot. On his boot. There's a, a little black scorpion on his boot. <laughs> Thanks, Booker T. <laughs> is it weird, weird that the scorpion would later become a symbol for Sting? I think it always was at that point. He was, was called it? Sting. It was that the, is true. The Flash. I think he was still doing the scorpion deathlock at this point. I think that's why they picked the Black Scorpion as his moniker. It's just weird that he would eventually become a Black Scorpion himself. Right. He was the. He takes it off and it's just so, like 99 Sting. But here's the thing. <laughs> so basically you're telling me Jim Hurd planned it to be Ultimate Warrior, but did not get a contract with Warrior prior to this. I this mean, was like, I was going to say, was like isn't Warrior, Warrior? I was going to say, Go isn't Warrior easy to work with? Super easy to work with. <laughs> also, yeah. he's the WF champion at this point. So, you know, good luck getting a contract with him. <laughs> yeah, this was just after WrestleMania 6. He was the world champion. <clears throat> uh, then we get, like, we get the bombshell that that wasn't the Black Scorpion because there's another Black Scorpion on the ramp. Oh, no. But instead of ending on that, instead of ending on, like, Sting looking on in disbelief, we get a post-match interview with Sting and JR. Oh, golly, I didn't expect that. And then Sid Vicious comes out and demands a title shot. And Sting's like, no, no, dude, I gotta deal with this Black Scorpion thing. I'll get to you later. Talk with the championship committee. And then Sid beats down Sting on the ramp. And that's how we end the show with the cha- our world champion laid out and Sid is screaming right in our faces. Yeah, that sounds like Sid. So I, can, I don't think this is the worst because I feel like only the main event was really bad. Maybe I don't know the greater context of a lot of these matches, but I feel like most of them were pretty enjoyable. I feel like maybe if they put like Flair versus Luger in the main event, I'd be happier because that was the best match on the show. I would give Flair the MVP, and for underrated, um, quick off awards, uh, let's say... Uh, I don't think you have to give awards for this. Let's just say Stan Hansen. Fuck it. I want to, though. I, I, did it for the, I did it for WrestleMania 5. 
I didn't really have a sign of the night or a why. Se- <laughs> okay, okay, why segment of the night? The fucking, the fucking red scorpion. <laughs> Let's just say that I didn't find a sign of the night. No Jerry Lawler first count, of course. <laughs> I'm in Memphis because he's in Memphis right now. Where the Jerry Lawler with all the Southern talent we have? Where the Jerry Lawler's not on this show? Uh, because he always had dealings with Vince. Oh, is that a dealing with Vince? Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I would say this is a pretty good show if you're just like, if you're just like, just sit down and just want to watch some like decent Southern wrestling. Just don't watch the main event, I'd say. So congratulations. Oh. We're a third the way through. All yep. right. <laughs> All right. Well, I, that, don't, that, that is the longest show. Yeah. Of the three, because I can promise you, my show is actually, uh, or my uh, what I watch. Your, your pick is shorter. Shorter. So, yes. um, I believe I go second, yes. and I am going to set up a game for you two, because we had trouble with how it was set up the first time. You both get two guesses. I will say if the first one's wrong, and then I'll go to Jonathan Frakes if your second guesses are both wrong. So. Okay. I will give the hint of, first of all, 2011. 2011. TNA sucks. WWF is, or WWE is. eh. Uh, (laughs) We are about to hit the summer of punk. We're about to hit the summer of punk. And my hint is, Mega Fighter show wasn't the only one with cash prizes. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess. Damn, it's 2011. Okay. Well, I'll guess it anyways. Um, because there could have been a later version of this. Who wants not who wants to be a millionaire? Weakest link. Uh no. Okay. Like fighter. Okay. Oh, I think I know what it is. Okay, here's my here's my one question to ask to get a hint. I already does gave it, you your hint. <laughs> does it have a WWE Hall of Famer on it? No. Okay, so I'm gonna go with family feud. Wrong. Rob? Damn. That was a good guess. Uh, all right. Well, uh, 2011 cash prize. Um, is it? I'm just going to guess it's a game show then. Yeah, that's where I was going. So, um, who wants to be a millionaire? Nah, no. Like if I okay. If it's not, you know what? I'm going to go with, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Jonathan? It's false. No way. Damn. This time. We created it. Not this time. That was a good guess. <laughs> not this time. Totally Have you ever heard of a show thing. called Silence in the Library? Oh, Silent oh Library? Silent Library. Yeah, they had a oh, WWE no. edition. Jonathan. I've seen this. Jonathan. Not this <laughs> I, We know. <laughs> it's an urban legend that never happened. No way. We got you. But the show oh, got me. <laughs> I always stop it on We Got You. That's funny. So, MTV was trying to branch out in the late... 2000s, early 2010s. They were trying to find anything to 
get past their image of playing music because they don't fucking play music anymore. Right. And one of the things they relied on was weird game shows nobody asks for. <laughs> if you've ever heard of Next, <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> there was also this one where, like, parents would have to, like, watch their kids over, like, a camera thing while someone's house is getting destroyed or some shit like that. Just a bunch of terrible game shows. And I watched every single fucking one. <laughs> but this is a port of a Japanese game show, Silent Library, where pretty much if you talk too loud while they fuck with you, you lose. And if you stay quiet the whole time, you get cash. Ah. So our players, first of all, it's hosted by a guy called Zero Kazama. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm about to look him up. Also, so, is it, uh, can I take a guess at one? Yeah. Dolph Ziggler. Our players are Dolph Ziggler. Yes. Chris Masters. Trent Beretta. JTG. Kurt Hawkins. And Kalen Croft. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Remember Kalen Croft? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> he, re he wrestled for two years. <laughs> he was one of the dude busters. He was one of the dude busters. And he looked a lot like Matt Jackson. <laughs> he, he and Trent Ferretta had a tag team. They were called the dude busters. Right. So I was worried that this is a re relatively short show because I thought this show was going to be a fucking nightmare and like three hours long. So I picked something short. <laughs> Probably a good decision. So, round one starts. They have to play ten games. And the longer they stay silent, the more money they get. What they do is they flip over a card, and whoever gets the skull has to do the hazing challenge. And the first challenge is Dolph has to do the return belt game. A belt is strapped around his waist with elastics that are connected to tennis balls. And everyone has to grab a tennis ball, pull it as far back as they can, and hit him with it. <laughs> Kurt Hawkins hits him straight in the penis. But <laughs> <laughs> canceling his push. <laughs> Dolph shows some tenacity and survives, and they win the money. I will not tell you the amount of the money until the end, because I want to let you guys know... It's not the amount of money you think it is. <laughs> I imagine it's going to be disappointingly low. Next game, Chris Masters draws the, draws the skull, and he gets bald head. Mm -hmm. Chris Masters has to wear a batting helmet as a small Jonathan Lipnicki-looking-ass kid with a baseball bat <laughs> walks up, places a ball on the tee on Chris Masters' head, and then just bonks him on the back of the head five times with the bat. <laughs> so it's basically just William Tell with baseball. Yes, JGG suggests the kid chokes up on the bat because he wasn't hitting that fucking ball. I, he, he swung five times. He would have been out. <laughs> he would have been fucking out. I do not know the T-ball rules. He passed a full count, but Masters just no-sold the fucking ball getting hit on the back of his head. And the concussion you probably just got. Game three, your loser is JTG, who has to suffer baby fish mouth. <laughs> Do you know what baby fish mouth is? I'm going 
gonna assume they put a baby fish in his mouth. Um, he wears a baby bib, baby bib, and has to drink from a baby bottle with a dead fish in it. <laughs> oh, it gets really weird. <laughs> JTG kind of sex thing. JTG couldn't take the fucking pressure, and he spits it out, and accidentally spits it out too loud. I meant I noticed that he's wearing his grill. <laughs> Does he just always have that? Yeah. He just had his grill in and and I thought maybe he'd have a better chance if he took it out. Well, that's uh, that's JTG, of course. So the they first failed. One they failed. No one got their money. It isn't elimination. I thought it was, but it's not. Ah. Uh, They're working but of together. Job. Round 2 of shut your fuck. Cash price <laughs> increased. <laughs> Cash price has been increased. And Trent gets the game Worst Waitress. We were speaking, of course, about Bratwurst earlier. He is served a plate of sausages by a Bavarian waitress. By, sorry, by a Bavarian waitress. Surprise, the sausage was nunchucks. <laughs> he gets assaulted with nunchucks made of sausage. Trent gets hit with meat repeatedly. He grabs it in defense, and the lady just stares at him and then hits him in the dick. <laughs> so Trent Trent does pull it off. He's he doesn't break the sound rule. And the commentator goes, Trent's meat beating allows him some moolah. <laughs> Trent. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Game five. Kurt Hawkins with the game Found Meat. Speaking of meat beaten. <laughs> He's got a jack up. No. <laughs> Kurt Hawkins is now in front of a massive bowl of spaghetti. Ah, <laughs> uh, find the, and find he the wins meatball in if there. If he can get three meatballs out, and he looks terrifying, drenched in red fucking spaghetti sauce as he does that. Time to face the facts. I, I wrote, this show balls. feels like it's Vince's idea. <laughs> Even though it isn't. It is on MTV, so. Kurt, those are, the meatballs are the size of his fucking face. That's <laughs> the other thing I noticed. Kurt lives for the spaghetti, so he wins. Face the facts. Face Kurt the Hawkins can always find the balls. <laughs> yes, Kurt Hawkins can find the balls. <laughs> So this is around game six. This is around where my regret starts kicking in. <laughs> Trent loses again, and he must play the game bird feed. Suddenly, he's in a giant bird's nest, and a huge fake cardinal mascot flaps his way into the building with everyone like they have like fake library goers just staring. And he kind of flaps over to Trent Beretta and just starts vomiting in his mouth. <laughs> Are we sure this isn't a Danganronpa execution? <laughs> like, this is some fucking so this, ultimate bird watching execution. big red bird is just firing custard out its fake-ass mouth into, oh! into Trent Beretta's face. <laughs> and it was so fucking weird. I <laughs> Allie, are you sure you didn't have a fever dream? <laughs> and then Zero Kazama, after Trent manages to get vomited on for about a minute. Zero just... Kazama, these gummies ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
He just said, you know, that taste is the taste of victory. You win. <laughs> he's like fake. He's like clearly not Asian. I mean, he's Asian, but like he's not do he's not Japanese. He clearly doesn't have that accent. Yeah, he's like from California. Ah, <laughs> uh, so he's doing like um, uh, Iron Chef. Yeah, guys. <laughs> or like fucking um. Yeah, he's doing the Iron Chef voice. <laughs> or like Bonsai. Bonsai. Ah, uh, who remembers Bonsai? So round uh round three, price the cash prize has been increased again. Game seven, oh. Chris Masters. Okay. He has to face the Twister Smack. So they kind of rigged up this car wash spinny thing to make it look like a mini tornado. And the tornado has like a bunch of houses and cows on it. And pretty much they're going to spin this thing and have all of it hit Chris Masters back. <laughs> it looks like it fucking hurts. <laughs> And Chris Masters snaps in pain and loses. And he's covered in these giant welts like fucking Walter Chap, like Walter chopped him. And like Dolph Ziggler reaches to one of his shoulders and puts his hand on it. And you can see his fucking handprint from the welt he got. God damn. Just holy fuck. <laughs> but yeah, they don't get the money for that one. So I uh, looked it up. Zero Kazama is actually, he was born in Japan, but he was raised in Maui. Oh, okay. He was also, <clears throat> he was also the Yakuza weapons expert on Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the Yakuza had like go-to weapons. I thought they just threw cars at everyone. So, um, game eight, Kalen Croft, <laughs> he has to face the melon fire. Oh, no. Every other wrestler is holding a paintball gun with balled up pieces of like watermelon, cantaloupe, honeydew, all that shit. This sounds like it could actually hurt him. And they have to shoot him firing squad style. By the way, I want to point out that JTG shot him gangster style, uh, which is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> He's, he sticks to kayfabe. He sticks to kayfabe. And like Kalen Croft has a target on his chest and they all have to shoot at him. Kalen Croft manages, and JTG points out, you smell kind of good. <laughs> Zero Kazama chimes in with, you survived the shooting, you get the cash. <laughs> you survived the shooting. Maybe this guy really is a Yakuza. <laughs> Game nine. Chris Masters again. He's being taken to the groin factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> there's such an image in my head of just balls everywhere the groin factory is three wrestlers stand behind him and force him into a chair with his legs back <laughs> and in the air like he's giving birth I'm and imagining right now you know that scene for Casino Royale <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just remembering that, that one like what was it like a tumblr post where it was like like anime boys like talking about each other's balls like anime girls talking about their boobs <laughs> no your balls are so see big. you're imagining something innocent i'm imagining daniel craig so getting his balls whipped <laughs> I, what is i'm sorry rob what is innocent about an anime dude groping another anime dude's balls and talking well, about it's consensual it's not <laughs> so oh. this is the only one i'm going to provide a picture for I'm he is strapped to a conveyor belt 
and JTG is loading soup cans under the conveyor belt that are firing directly at his balls. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right, let me see the gif. Oh! I see. <laughs> Dolph covers his, forcefully covers his mouth with a hand as JTG loads up fucking three cans at a time instead of one and just is obliterating Chris Master's balls. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're but, destroying. They're destroying the masterpiece. But Chris Masters holds out. Huh. The final round of Shut Your Fuck. There are five skulls this time, and everybody but JTG has to play. Now, are you ready for the nipple race? What? Are you ready for the nipple race? I heard you. I don't understand. Are you ready for the nipple race? <laughs> are you ready or not, Rob? <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be ready. Everyone's nipples are clamped to fake wooden racehorses, and they have a nipple race. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. JTG is just watching in terror and joy. <laughs> I wrote the... I, I commented, what is even happening? <laughs> As the horses slowly pull away while attached to their nipples, <laughs> they start snapping off like the little like the little fucking alligator clips they have on each person's nipples. They snap oh, off. And God, who has the strongest nipples? I will. <laughs> who who of the five have the strongest nipples? All right, Mega Fighter, Chris Masters. Uh, you're wrong. Trent Beretta. It's false. No way. <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> Croft. <laughs> He's of got course. the strongest nipples out of all you think of them. That would have gotten him a push. Look at how strong his nipples are. He actually he actually retired the month after that. <laughs> Fuck this. Okay. Okay. But because they managed to stay quiet during the nipple race, they add an extra month. They add an extra amount to their total. How much do you think they've made? <laughs> I'm going to say less than a thousand. I'm going to say $165. Actually, they made $4,400. Oh, okay. Wow. 700 wow. per player. <laughs> 734 per player. You kind of undersold me on this. That's um, a, maybe that's, I showed my hand a little bit, but that's, that's about as much as they make for an episode of Superstars. Was it really worth it? <laughs> so no. uh, I want to end this little mini review with a fun fact. Caitlin Croft became a successful children's book author after he retired in 2011. Oh yeah, he, he made No like Beard the Pirate. No Beard the Pirate. That's right. <laughs> make that bread, Caitlin. <laughs> okay, Allie, who is the MVP of this? Of this? Well, clearly it's JTG. JTG for destroying Chris Masters' balls. Even though he, was... even though I think only two people lost. I think it was Masters and JTG. Who was the underrated? Not Kalen Croft. <laughs> was it not Kalen Croft? I don't know. His, his nipples. He had the strongest nipples. Only Dolph Ziggler... Only Dolph Ziggler got close to beating him in the nipple race. 
And what was the Y segment of the show? Why did I watch this? And there you go. The Y segment was the show. <laughs> no, okay. why did I choose that? <laughs> why did you pick this? Because it was short. So. You, you know what you could have picked? I hinted at it when I asked you if there was a WWE Hall of Famer on it. What? The Wheel of Fortune with Brian Kendrick. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which does have a WWE Hall of Famer on it. Guess All what? Right. It's not Brian Kendrick. I was no. going to say, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> no, but this was when Drew Carey was hosting. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Price is right. Wait, that's the Price is Right. Excuse me, the Price is Right. He won a popcorn machine. He took it to TNA. Yeah, that's why, that's why, I, fought, that's why I fought him when he said 2011. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I had a so. I had some kind of like sleep paralysis demon that it, that haunted me. What did you watch, Rob? <laughs> was it Caitlin Cross nipples? Well, okay, guys. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a uh, a fun hint and then a more serious hint. Um, the fun hint is this: it involves a Samoan kidnapping and ninjas. Did you watch TNA? I did not. Wrong. <laughs> that was the trap. <laughs> okay. Someone kidnapping ninjas. Now, what's the serious hint? Uh, serious hint is uh, this is a movie. And it does star the most famous Samoan actor who is not Jason Momoa. Um, and it features, I know you're going to say a movie featuring the rock. Come on now. That that's kind of cheating, isn't it? It also features someone that you guys have seen on wrestle boys. Did you watch like 12 rounds? <laughs> I did not watch 12 rounds. Okay. I've not been in, in any of the 12 rounds movies. Okay, so Are this you is saying he's too good for this? <laughs> so this is 2013. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's got a Samoan in it. it it's got but, The Rock. I was being cute. Okay, it's got The Rock. It's 2013. Is it that movie where he's in a fat suit? <laughs> The Tooth Fairy? It is not the Tooth Fairy. Shit. One more. You get one more guess, Mega Fighter. Yeah, I use mine. I think, wait, did you use both of your guesses? Yeah, I used both yes, of mine. Yes, he did. Okay. I'll shut up. Was it? No, it couldn't be. I'm just going to throw a guess out here, even though I don't think The Rock's even in this movie. Was it G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra? Okay. Well, Jonathan. let's go to Jonathan Frakes to figure it out. <laughs> Jonathan? Jonathan? Oh, God damn it! Jonathan. Can someone get him out of the green room? Jonathan. We're not filming Picard. You could come out. It's okay. Were we, were we contractually obligated only free appearances from Jonathan Coachman? You get two. Jonathan Coachman? Oh, Jonathan Coachman. Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Okay, okay, guys. I got, I got him out of the green room. Okay, okay. Jonathan, do your thing. It's false. No way. Not this time. Not this time. No. Not this time. So the movie. Pure fiction. 2013. It's fiction. 
is we the made, rocks we made this and one. mark Wahlberg vehicle it's a total fabrication pain and gain oh this one was invented by a writer not this time it never happened it's false. jonathan <laughs> it never happened it's a fake John, it's here's the thing this is based on a real story jonathan. Never jonathan no way it, it did happen Oh, they got me. Oh. <laughs> I see Ralph was waiting as well. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> yes, this now I say real story, and it says frequently through this movie it's a real story. Um the first line in in the uh in the movie besides uh, a line from our lead character is the events you are about to see took place in Miami, Florida between October ninety-four and June 1995. Unfortunately, this is a true story. Now, I want to preface this with like two minutes of serious talk. Um, this does involve real life murder. Uh, I am not glorifying murder. I don't know if Michael Bay is glorifying murder, but I, I don't think he is. Uh, the uh, names and some of the names so wait, is this the race is this the movie adaption of like the sun gym killings it is oh shit <laughs> i didn't know that yeah. was that movie was about <laughs> yeah so it is a comedy but uh real people actually did die um i'm not making fun of that we're just talking about this michael making movie. fun of this movie's poor effort at portraying that no, you know, honestly, uh, I think this movie. I'm gonna say out of the, say it out of the gate. I really like this movie. Hmm. Um, I'm just gonna say, you know, this. A lot of the events that take place in this movie are like pretty much the actual events that happened. Um, they just conflated characters and uh, made things a bit more ludicrous than they were. Um, I just wanted the disclaimer up front. I don't think murder is funny. Uh, this movie is funny, though. Okay. So, uh, getting into this movie. Um, we start off with uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, uh, Daniel Lugo. Uh, and when we first meet uh, Lugo, he's a personal trainer at gold's gym uh he wants what we all want to get rich off of uh his hard work and i'm saying work in quotes because uh we'll, we'll later find out he's pretty much a grifter um he thinks getting wealth by any means necessary is patriotic uh so buy gamestop and amc um and he <laughs> He believes any. I can't trade Blockbuster. They've locked in. We will get it back. Yeah, they blocked Blockbuster after I traded Blockbuster. I... Damn it. Thanks, believes... private companies. Woo! Don't worry, Allie. You'll get you'll get yours when when Netflix buys Blockbuster. So Lugo believes anyone who slacks off or squanders their gifts isn't just lazy, they're un-American. Um we're, we're finding this all out through uh, each character gets their own narration and sort of flashbacks when we meet the main characters. Um, prior to working at Gold's Gym, uh, Lugo scammed old people out of their savings. 
uh, and went to prison for it. Um, while working at the gym, he uh, meets this, uh, he goes to the seminar of this guy on TV who's like, do you want to make money on passive income? One of these guys, motivational money speakers, like learn how to make money. All you need to do is buy my book. Buy and come silver. To my seminar. <laughs> buy silver. Come to my seminar. Yes. Jeff Jarrett. Try crypto. <laughs> what did Jeff Jarrett sell? Gold. Something gold. Yeah, some sort of gold. Yeah, it was like a gold exchange program. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, jo uh, Johnny Wu is played by Ken Jeong. Um, his his uh, buzzwords is you're either a doer or a donter, and that you need to have a three finger plan. Get a goal, get a plan, and get up off your ass. Get up off the okay. Yes. And he's basically he's doing the Ken Jong thing that he does in pretty much all the movies. He's Ke he Ken Jong as Ken Jong. Yeah. Global <laughs> yeah. Force Gold. That's what I was trying to remember. So, uh, Lugo comes up with his own three point plan, which is find a guy with money, make him give you everything he owns, and make a better America a better place, and make sure he's none the wiser who made him that way. Introducing the rich guy, Victor Pepe Kershaw, played by Tony Shaloub. Tony Shaloub. Yes. Hey. Yeah. From Tony, yeah, Tony, Monk. Tony Shaloub. Monk is playing a rich asshole. From Spy Kids. <laughs> what was that one quote from Spy Kids? Uh, that wasn't that was Tony Shaloub, but it's, um, do you think that God stays in heaven? Because he too is afraid of what he created. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, still amazing. Uh, Tony Shalhoub plays uh, Victor Kershaw, a rich guy who owns a Schlotsky's deli outside the airport. Uh, he trades stocks and he has offshore bank accounts. Basically, he's he's filthy rich. Um, he made his money apparently in Colombia, and uh. Uh, moved to America. He, this is a line from later in the movie, but he says, "Ironically, I left South America because of too much kidnapping." Lovely. Uh, next main character, and I'm going through the main characters to get really to the plot real fast. Uh, is Paul Doyle. Dwayne Johnson. The Dwayne Rock the Johnson. Yes. This, uh, we first meet him as a former convict. By the way, I want to point uh, out from, like, the poster I saw, fucking, fucking Rock's yoked on this yeah, one. Yeah, he's fucking, he's more jacked than he's ever been in his life. Yes. Was this when he was on the, no, this was after, like, wait, no, it might have been this when is, he was. This is the famous picture, I think, where you See, like, just the shirt coming off of him, and he's, this like, is... fucking huge. This was around when he was, like, wrestling John Cena, so that kind of makes sense. Uh, this was after that. Yeah, this is after. Uh, 
Uh, this was before, 2013. Oh, yeah, it would actually be after both matches, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was a little bit after that. Well, to be fair, it released. It was probably in production while he was still yeah. prepping. For the uh, we first meet him as a former... Uh, and who trained The Rock to fight <laughs> John Cena? Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins. Hawkins. With his, funny is, didn't teach funny him how to is, didn't teach him how to nipple race though. <laughs> nah, that's why he had to go to Kalen Croft. <laughs> funny you say that. Uh, we first meet him as a former uh, convict looking for a job at the gym. In his narration, we found he spent some time in Dale and found Jesus there as well as sobriety. And in a in a flashback, we see him fight. Remember I told you there was another wrestler in this movie. There's an extra in this prison yard fight scene. Oh my god. Can you guess who it is? Caitlin Croft. No. No. Kurt Hawkins. No, it's a different Kurt. It's Kurt Angle. Call Call me Kurt Kurt Angle. Angle. (laughs) Uh, Great. He's going to win the MVP of the night here too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we asked all, we're, on, we're on so let me tell you man you can't win the award here I'm good at everything <laughs> he doesn't have a single line of dialogue he just gets beat up by the rock in the prison on the cast he has a full name <laughs> does he he's Benjamin Rowe he doesn't have a single line my god you better bill me god damn it uh uh Paul stays at a church uh with uh Pastor Randy who is played by the junkyard guy from Breaking Bad. Oh. Yes. Uh and uh he meets his future love interest through Lugo who is a uh Yugoslavian stripper named oh, Sur- Named Serena Luminata. Probably not played by Eagles. Nope. She's Israeli-American. Okay. Yes. Apparently, Dwayne Johnson is just based on several different people. Yeah, his character is based on, is one that's not uh, real. And I'm after after this, I'm going to recommend a book uh, that is, if you want to actually read about the real events, you can, you can go check that out. Um, I think there's a podcast about it, but I don't know what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably one you've you've watched plenty of times. So I'm sure there's a dollop about it. Our our final of the three main characters of the Gold Gym cast is uh, named Adrian Dorball. He's played by Anthony Mackey. Um, we first find him working out in, in the gym with Lugo, and he desperately wants to be bigger. Um, he's on the juice. It's on the juice. And uh, to the point where I think the bottles of steroids are literally labeled the juice. Um, when he injects himself with them. The steroids, of course, uh, make his dick not work. Of course. It gives him, penis gives him... work! <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. It gives him defeated... Phallus syndrome, which is diagnosed by his his future love interest, Robin Peck, at the clinic, who is played by Rebel Wilson. 
Isn't Robin Peck like a band? Robin. No, I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking of Cock Robin. Okay, of course. So the plan is to kidnap Victor oh, Kershaw. So they're gonna kidnap Tony Shalhoub. Yes, force him to sign away everything he he owns, and then make release him, knowing not knowing who they are. Or we have clear motives for the uh, for the robbers. Uh, Paul uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson punches out Pastor Pastor Randy after Pastor Randy sexually harasses him. Great, yeah. Cool. <laughs> he, he Pastor Randy says, "Jesus said, let all who are weary come to me, and I can give you rest. I can give you rest, Paul. You're so buff." So fucking buff. <laughs> and yeah, he he uh, puts his hands on on him, and the Rock in the flashback is just going, "Why does he keep saying I'm so buff?" <laughs> <laughs> um. So Paul needs a new place to stay. Adrian needs to pay for his penis shots to fix the erectile dysfunction caused by his steroids. So that his penis works great. Yes. So that his penis and, does work. And Lugo, this entire plan is Lugo's idea. So they all get together to plan this out. And they go through multiple failed attempts. Uh, one, they sneak on. Their first attempt, they sneak onto Victor's property via boat because, of course, he has a dock on his property. It's, it's he's that kind of rich guy. Um, As you do, and he doesn't he doesn't have a money plane, but no money plane. But he has a money boat. The money plane. Um, money boat. He he was having. Uh, they sneak onto Victor's property via boat, but they fail to note he's having Shabbat, which is some kind of Jewish. Uh, religious feast. Uh. Oh, he's got tons of people over. Yeah. So that fails. Uh, then they try to kidnap him in a parking lot dressed as ninjas, but they got the wrong BMW in the parking lot. If Finally, there was a, there was a BMW oh, that dude, Shabbat is the Sabbath. Okay. Yes. Uh, ah. Okay. Ah, I kind of, it sounded like it, yeah. It, it does sound like Sabbath. Um, they finally succeed on their third attempt by tasering him in the head, dressed up as ninjas outside the Schlotskys he owns, and kidnapping him in broad daylight. Very Grand Theft Auto, really. Wow, they Chal take him. Chalabred looks delicious. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yes, yes, it does. I'm just looking up Jewish stuff him, now. <laughs> they take him to a a what can only be described as a sex toy warehouse. Sex toy warehouse. I feel like there's a joke I could make, but I but I'm drawing a blank on it. And uh, Paul is very much freaked out by this, being all religious and seeing just a whole lot of dongs. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. They uh they blindfold Victor by wrapping duct tape around his face. 
and uh, Lugo is speaking in a fake Hispanic accent. Um, but uh, Victor pretty much immediately figures out uh, Lugo has kidnapped him because Lugo wears a very strong vanilla cologne. Oh, that sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. And Victor has talked to him about this because Lugo is his personal trainer. So their plan of getting away with it without him figuring out who they who they were has failed immediately. Good job, boys. So meanwhile they they uh they need to figure out a way to torture uh his his basically his money out of him. Uh they get him to call all of his uh his family, his staff, whatever, and basically tell him to piss off so that no one will notice he's missing. Uh, and while they're, uh, they're keeping shifts and watching him, uh, Paul befriends Victor uh, while watching him. Uh, Paul is very, when I say he found Jesus in jail, I mean he's very, very Jesus forward. Um, uh, Pepe convinces uh, uh, Paul that he is sober just like he is. And uh, Paul converts, I'm doing air quotes here, Victor to Christianity while in. Captivity. Um, he's like, I, you're Jewish, right? He's like, yeah. I can help you. Oh, please, God, please help me. I can save you. Yeah, he's like, I can save you. Like, please, please. Victor, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> He's, That's and, not what I meant. <laughs> and Victor's just like, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Victor or Pepe, as uh, uh, Paul calls him, says he's gonna call Paul El Dad, which supposedly means beloved of God. I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's it's El Dad. It's right up there with El Asso Wipo. <laughs> um. Now remember the uh, stripper who is currently Daniel Lugo's girlfriend will later be a love interest for for Paul. Uh, the Yugoslavian stripper Serena finds Lugo's night vision equipment because they got a whole bunch of shit from the. Army supply store for this army and army navy surplus store. store. <laughs> yes, he tells her they are secret agents for the CIA, and he's making her an operative. Which you know she takes the obvious bait of you know, well, what if you have to take me into custody and commence the sex talk? Uh, Victor does make an escape attempt while uh, uh, while Paul is watching him. He just tries to run for it. 
And at which point, uh, the rock clotheslines the fuck out of him. <laughs> and he you says, he says, Jesus Christ has blessed me with many gifts. One of them is knocking a man the fuck out. Why did you make me do it? Really the greatest gift. It is much like William Regal said. He blessed him with the power of the punch. Yep. <laughs> so, finally, after days of beating Victor with sex toys, finding all kinds of creative ways to torture him, they they finally get him to sign documents handing over all his shit. Of course, when when Lugo goes to the bank, they tell him they need to be notarized. At which point, Lugo's like, well, he can't be here because he's uh, out saving elephants in Europe. Yes. This is the level of genius we're working with here. Oh, man. Uh, finally, he gets the owner of the gold gym, who is a notary. Uh, his character's name is John Meese, and he's played by Rob Corddry. Uh, to notarize their documents in turn for sponsoring uh, the Gold's Gym bodybuilding contest. So, we have the documents notarized. All of his Victor's shit is going to go to uh, Lugo and his friends. Now is the final part of the plan. Of his three-step plan, remember. So, the original plan was for him not to know who they were, but that blew up on day one. We're on day 14 here of this kidnapping adventure. The plan is now to kill Victor. Uh, you know, it's what you gotta do. It's jungle out there. Um, which <laughs> they have to convince Paul to go along with it. Um, so there's a very funny line where Victor turns to Paul and says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell Jesus what you did. <laughs> <laughs> As the rock looks at him, it's just like, you're not going to tell Jesus anything. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't telling him shit. <laughs> because he, he looks so horrified when he says that. I'm going to tell Jesus what you did. No. So their plan is they get him drunk, like they pour forcibly pour liquor down his throat and then uh, pour it all over him. Put him in a car and basically like put a brick on the accelerator and get it to drive into a backhoe at high speed. Um, that fails because Adrian buckled his seatbelt. God damn it. <laughs> next, the, next, they light the car on fire and blow it up. Uh, but Victor just gets out of the car. This is like a GTA mission <laughs> if I was in charge. Yeah. So their final plan is just run him over. So the Rock clips him with a van and then they back over him. Over his head. 
but uh, he lives. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So Victor later uh, goes to the hospital. Um, he tells the police, I was tasered by ninjas. And the cops don't believe Victor because he says he was kidnapped by evil ninja bodybuilders. They found giant dildos and sex tapes in the sex toys in the back of his burnt car, and no one reported him missing. Oh, God. Also, he's an asshole. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they diagnose him as a delusional alcoholic and leaky. When he, isn't oh, he still horribly injured? He is horribly injured, but they just think he it was a DUI. With sex toys? <laughs> well they 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 were like, you said you were kidnapped by bodybuilders and tortured. Is this a sex thing? He's like, What? No. Well, we found this baseball baseball bat sized dildo in in your car. And these giant anal beads burnt up in the back of your car. Hi, Brent. Anal beads. (laughs) So, this all brings about the next major character in in this uh, show, uh, played by Ed Harris. His name is Ed Dubois. He's a retired private detective who takes Victor's case. Victor manages to escape the hospital before the, the three bodybuilders come to kill him in the hospital. Uh, when Ed tells him, well, if you're telling the truth, I would probably get out of the hospital as soon as possible. You don't want to be in a public place. Um, but it seems like things have worked out pretty well for our uh, bodybuilding uh, murderous cohorts. Because uh, basically they got away with it scot-free. The police have brushed Victor off as a delusional alcoholic. And they now they don't have to go back and kill him. Uh, Adrian gets a house in a suburban neighborhood uh, near Lugo, who has taken over Victor's house. And then uh, this is where things start taking a downward spiral as Paul gets addicted to cocaine. Oh, no. <laughs> but what about Jesus? Fuck, Jesus, I got the nose cane. So uh, Rebel just becomes Wilson, the rock. <laughs> Rebel Wilson's character, uh, Robin, gets engaged to Adrian. Uh Lugo coaches uh, neighborhood kids and starts a neighborhood watch. Uh, He starts telling kids how they need to get swole so they can get pussy. Yes, you do. And he's telling this to, like, 10-year-olds. And dunking on them. Like, physically, like, they're playing basketball and he's dunking on them. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, and the neighborhood watch is really funny because Paul's there coked out of his mind 
and Lugo is talking about how they need to be hyper vigilant because there are guys who are just waiting to come in here and take their wives and rape them and and steal all their shit. So he he uh, brings out Paul's now uh, Paul's stripper girlfriend, uh, who is Serena has gone gone with Paul now. Uh, and he asks for a volunteer for a demonstration. He's like, who wants to be the rapist? Jesus Christ. And everybody raises their hand because she's fucking hot. So I say all this because it creates... It's a really funny scene after this where one of the neighbors is explaining to his wife who is really pissed off. He's like, I had to grab her ass. I was the rapist. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, Paul quickly runs out of the money uh, from all the cocaine he's doing. Lots of cocaine. Like, he's snorting his life savings. Um, and this is a part in the story which um, I had to look this up because I was like, this c- couldn't have happened. It didn't happen. This is the part where Michael Bay decides he needs another action scene in here. Paul robs an armored truck out of his mind on the day of Robin and Adrian's wedding manages to escape while getting his toe shot off uh, but he doesn't get the money Uh, he says over narration this plan didn't work this plan was just practice but I was like how the fuck did they not catch him after he committed armed robbery and it's because I think in there real was life no he just driver. I think in real life he just moved on to a different victim. <laughs> yes, so here's where that the the armed robbery scene was complete filler. Except for it explains how uh Paul loses his toe. So at the wedding, uh Paul pitches an idea to rob this uh, drug dealer guy, not just drug dealer, uh, this porn kingpin in Miami. He's like the third richest guy in Miami and he's like a porn kingpin. And he was an asshole once in a prior scene to uh, all in in the strip club. Like, let's, let's do it again, let's go rob him. And Lugo's like, fuck you, no. You snorted all your money. We're not risking it all for for that. So here's how they they get motivated to uh, actually go through with this. Uh, Paul needs money after snorting it all. Adrian needs money for his penile procedure after after he bought his house. My penis. He need he needs he needs money to make his penis work so he can go on his honeymoon. And here's where things turn around. Uh, Victor calls them from his motel and basically tells them to to give him his fucking money back. Uh, He calls the the notary guy. 
and uh, the notary is freaking out. He goes and tells Lugo. Lugo says, star 69 him. It's like, you want me to, to have sex with him? It's amazing we got a star 69 reference in fucking... <laughs> 2013. I know this was based on like a nine, like a 90s case, but still. Yeah, 94. 94. I, I, I star 69 sometimes. Yes. Nice. Nice. So they star 69. They find the motel, and they uh they fail to find him, but they do find out that Ed Dubois is paying for his room. And Ed has uh in the meantime uh infiltrated the Gold's Gym and been met, pretending to be a client of uh, Lugos to get information. So uh, Victor then goes to live with Ed, and Ed tips off the cops that they need to look into the bodybuilders. So our motivations are clear at this point. After this, Lugo is pissed off and just wants to steal to the, the rush of stealing again. Paul Paul and Adrian need the money. So their their next attempted victim is Frank Griga. Like I said, he's a porn producer. He's the third richest man in Miami. Um, and he has a girlfriend with giant fake tits. I am saying that because it's an actual plot point. Of course it is. Well, believe it or not. Uh, at this point, it's not surprising. One, it's a Michael Bay movie. Exactly. Two, it's set in Miami in the 90s. Yeah. Three, this, this guy is have... super sleazy. Like, at this point, we have just, we have crossed the barrier. Uh, Frank meets the guys with his girlfriend over at Adrian's house. And Frank argues with uh, Danny Lugo over his investment scheme which uh we don't get much of the plan but it's something about telecommunications in india um, oh, he's outsourcing yes uh now this is an actual really art i don't i know people don't talk about artistry in michael bay movies but i just wanted to point out this one really cool scene where uh Frank and Lugo are arguing in a room. And in another room over, Paul, who is doing all the coke, and uh, Adrian and the girlfriend are all partying. So we get this rotating shot that is just like constant. It's not rotating constantly, but it's like flipping at like a, a a pace where you just get keep getting rotated back between scenes and it's it's really cool. Um a fight breaks out when uh Frank basically insults Luco's business acumen. He's like I'm I'm not really I, the plans checks out but I'm going to need to talk to the board because, frankly, you're an idiot. So Lugo ends up punching Frank and accidentally dropping a weight onto Frank's head, killing him instantly. 
Uh, then the girlfriend runs in and they hit her with a torch tranquilizer. Oh, God. <laughs> ah, of course. So we've got one dead guy who is the potential victim. And then we've got his girlfriend who they took out with a horse tranquilizer. So they basically try to turn this into a salvage operation. Um, they're currently at Adrian's house, remember, where the meeting is taking place. And they get the girlfriend while high on horse tranquilizers to give them the safe combination at Frank's house. So Paul, coked out of his mind, and Lugo go over to Frank's house to, to rob it. While Adrian stays behind to clean up and uh, get the uh, uh, guard, the girlfriend. Of course, the safe combination is wrong because she was mumbling it while high on horse tranquilizers. I figured as much. Like, there's no way they're gonna get like the right combination out of her. And uh, she wakes up after a while, and uh, Adrian hits her again with a. Another do dose of horse tranquilizer. This that kills works. her. Does that work so well the first time? Exactly. Works so well the first time. So they have no one who can give them the proper safe combination. Uh, Adrian is cutting out bloody carpet from his brand new house. While the guys steal uh, Frank's cars and take the bodies back to the warehouse. Uh... Paul robs the bodies like the crackhead that he is. And uh, he left behind, though, you remember his missing toe? I think so. He, he, he got his toe shot off in the uh, in the failed armed robbery attempt. Yeah, yeah. He left the toe behind at Frank's house with, with Frank's dog. Did the dog eat the toe? No, he gave, he gave the dog the toe, but the dog did not eat the toe. Okay. So that's now evidence. Yep. And Robin comes home to find her house torn up and bloody carpet in her trash cans. So this is the, the uh, sort of the beginning of the end. They, um, they chop the hands off of the bodies. And Paul grills the fingerprints off the hands. That's their scheme to keep the bodies from being identified. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, here's <laughs> while while he's grilling the hands outside on a grill like it's a barbecue. <laughs> this is still a true story. Pops up on screen. <laughs> Uh, are we sure this wasn't on an episode of the Dollar Valley? Uh, if it is, we haven't gotten to it. They uh, then roll the bodies in barrels into uh, a lake. I thought it was the ocean at first, but it's not. It's obviously not. Uh, the police uh, finally go and arrest the guys. Uh, the notary's bodybuilding competition gets raided by SW the SWAT team. Uh, Adrian gets arrested while he's in the shower. Paul gets arrested at church. Lugo manages to run away from the cops and get into his boat, which he you know, stole from Victor. He 
His plan? Head to the Bahamas and close out Victor's offshore bank accounts. Uh, he probably could have gotten away with that because he beat them there. But the teller behind the desk asked him if he wants to open the safe deposit box. What would you do in this scenario? I'd probably say no because I'd be wondering why you'd like immediately ask that question. Well, he's closing out the account. I saw that. It's like, yeah. Okay. So, so, would you would you open the safe deposit box? Probably. I wouldn't because that involves you going into a caged area. Oh. Uh, um. And guess what? The cops show up right behind him when he opens the safety deposit box, which is just full of family memorabilia. It's oh, filled. No. It fills with Victor's baby booties and like family pictures. Maybe like a birth certificate in there. Oh no! So uh, he does manage to get out of the bank and uh, run run out of there. He then gets shot by Ed Dubois in the leg and Victor drives into him with a car. <laughs> That's right. Victor runs him over. I got you with the irony car. <laughs> <laughs> so, all three of our bodybuilders, as well as the notary, are in custody. Robin divorces Adrian to testify against him. And she testifies that she believes Adrian lifted weights to compensate for the fact that he had a tiny dick. <laughs> <laughs> she says it's bent like a boomerang. <laughs> Australia. And that he tried to finger bang his paralegal. Uh, it does say an interesting fact here, and this is very interesting if it's true. For the first time in history, Breast implants were used as evidence, with the huh. serial numbers being linked back to the to the identity of the body. I didn't uh, know yeah. breast implants yeah. had serial numbers. These did. Did she install two computers in there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul Doyle uh, gives a full confession. And testifies against the other two. He gets 15 years in prison. According to Ed Dubois, the other two are found guilty of double murder, racketeering, and every other offense except the ones they're most guilty of, which is being dumb fucks. And they are both given the death penalty. Oh yeah, this is Florida, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And in the 90s. So, which means they're getting fed to the gators. Yes. Give them the gators. Thus, en thus ends the story of pain and gain. Now, uh, there's, I, I did say I was going to talk about a, a book at the end of this. There is an actual book written by the real life guy who is not Victor Kershaw, but you, you can find him pretty easily. Did you know that you look Ed up. Dubois released a single <laughs> about what happened he made a he made a song <laughs> i did not know that how i've, I've got been, him 
uh, as well as um, Victor, the real life Victor Kershaw, who is not named Victor Kershaw, um, wrote a book that this this whole thing is based on called Pain and Gain. So I would highly recommend checking that out huh. um, if you want to know the real story. So uh, you, you want to ask me MVP of... I mean, technically, I don't know if that counts because it's a movie. I only just, I did that joke right. with Ali because he had more wrestlers. Well, the MVP is clearly Kurt Hank. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the fucker. <laughs> he finds a way to sneak himself onto this show. <laughs> We're not even doing 2002 WWE. He wasn't even WWE at the time, but he still shows up. Yes, he was a TNA, I think. Yes. In 2013, yeah. Yeah, that was when he was weirdly skinny. <laughs> I could turn angle. <laughs> I think we're about done. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, yes. <laughs> I would highly recommend Painting Game, though. It's I would say it's uh, the best Michael Bay movie since The Rock, probably. Huh. <laughs> and then The Rock's on it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Ali, would uh, you recommend Silent Library? If you want to watch a giant bird vomit in a Trent Beretta's mouth, that is the <laughs> best place to do it. <laughs> or you can watch AEW on Wednesday nights on TNT. <laughs> now, I, I don't think that happens there, though. Who's the giant bird? <laughs> Adam Page, I don't know. <laughs> Hangman. So, <laughs> I would actually recommend Orange Cassidy, help me. <laughs> I wouldn't so, recommend Cancer Jamie 12. Mr. Frakes, did you enjoy yourself today? Is it possible this story is true? Yes, it is. You're right. <laughs> it's fact. <laughs> yeah. uh, he he enjoyed right. himself. You were right. <laughs> research found a published report of a similar story. Yes, Wait. it was. Jonathan. A similar story Jonathan, happened to a man in the Pacific Northwest Jonathan. about 20 years ago. Oh my god. <laughs> a similar event took place. Yeah, You're right again. Stop. You're right. A similar story I happened stop. to a teacher in the Florida area. It happened. You were correct. It's fact. How do we stop Jonathan Frakes? This one took place. Jonathan Frakes, please. Okay, okay, okay. We're, we're rid of Jonathan Frakes. It's false. Got to. You're Jonathan Frakes? We were wrong. You can't stop him. Pure fiction. No. We made it up. We made this one up. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's fiction. It's an urban legend that never happened. No way. We got you. Oh, he got us. God damn it. Jonathan Franks. The clear MVP of this podcast. <laughs> the best member of the podcast, Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was uh, so. Let me tell you about episode two. Yeah, what uh, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> that was a nightmare. I, and I, as as they always say at the end of "Let me tell you about," you're wrong. We got you. We got you. You're wrong. It's <laughs> false. It's fake. You're wrong. We got 